Cotter's cool. He wears bright silvery chainmail. He's a half elf. I should have started with that, but mm-hmm. I can't think when I'm describing my character. Who can tell me what the number one rule in Dungeons and Dragons is? Don't split the party. Don't split the party. And what did you guys do at the end of the last episode? Form two parties. Split the party. <laughs> yes. Great, you just you can host a Zoom. Nice. I can exactly. I'm hosting a Zoom between everybody. <laughs> Dude, he's like, no one. I need your mind on now. No one. Where's your mind? For every problem we solve, two more come up. Chapter 180. Saber rattling in Ex Colberium, Colise. Okay. So, in the last episode, you all were able to finally escape the Underdark and return to the surface. How does that feel? A lot better. Less dark. So happy not to be down there anymore. So happy. You know, I seem to have some sort of genetic memories of things dark and weird. Eh, you know, I can take it or leave it. Sounds good. Well, either way, you're back on the surface. And who can tell me what the number one rule in Dungeons and Dragons is? Don't split the party. Don't split the party. And what did you guys do at the end of the last episode? Form two parties. Split the party. (laughs) Yes. So luckily, um, Galjabar was able to introduce you to the tabaxi. And so the tabaxi were able to bolster your ranks and allow you to split the party because obviously Creval needs to be heading up to the mountains to face the latest of the Red Dragon challengers. And then Arlen uh, needs to go uh, over to the shore there near Kalesque and see if uh, he can't be cured. While at the same time, uh, Adri is going to escort her brother and sister over there as apparently there's some sort of a enclave of uh, drowish uh, expatriates that are over there. So a uh, very interesting thing. But as interesting as that is, we're going to be picking up with Creval's story and heading up into the mountains. So this time around, we have uh, Cotter and we have Misty and we have uh, Noan, obviously Creval and then Red. So uh, Arlen and, and Adriel B and with the other group. But something also big happened at the end of last episode. You all leveled up. Yes, indeed. Very yeah. nice. So why don't we go around the table and let everybody know what these characters got when they leveled up and uh, go from there. So um, Bryce, why don't you tell us about Cotter and what he got? So uh, Cotter got the full, he rolled a 10 on his hit hit die to level up so he gained 12 hit points to a maximum of 98 uh with my ability score increase i put two points into charisma so i now have a plus four to charisma which means that in addition to charisma based skills my spell 
things go up, although I don't use those that often. And my aura of protection that gives bonuses to saving throws now grants a plus four to save instead of a plus three to save. So everyone is now a little bit more likely to save near me. Very good. So everyone wants to stick close to Cotter. And uh, then, um, Jesse, why don't you tell us about what happened with Misty on the level up? Yeah, so Misty, I gets, you get an improvement to an ability score at level 12. So I improved her charisma to now be a 19, which Ooh. gave her an extra um, boost to her spellcasting. Um, she is at 60 hit points, um, and I also took a couple of new spells. Um, I took Insect Plague and Chain Lightning, just to add some more, like, area effect type spells. Fun, 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 yeah. Anything else there for her? Um, not a whole lot. Um, I had forgotten to do this, uh, previously when we leveled up at 10, to 10th level, uh, with the Tabaxi, but, uh, the um, like the empowered spells, distant spell, what are those called? Owen, the like the sorceress, meta magic. Yeah, meta magic. Um, took uh, quickened spell, so I can for two sorcery points turn a spell that takes an action to cast into a bonus action to cast. Nice. Very good. And then Matt, why don't you uh, tell us about Noan? What what did Noan get at twelve? Okay, so uh, got some extra hit points, is now at 90. But uh, as Noan has spent some time um, really emphasizing dodging opponents versus just hitting them with flurries of blow, um, that's translated into being more mobile. So uh, Noan has taken the mobility feat, which now the base speed is 60. Um, Difficult terrain no longer hampers my movement, but the most interesting effect is that if I attack a creature with a melee attack, uh, hit or not, that creature does not get any attacks of opportunity on me for a turn. So I wow. effectively can hit and run. That's a pretty neat skill, I must say. Fantastic. Good. Okay. And then, Owen, why don't you tell us about Red? Red's gotten quite a quite a few new spiffy things. Um, he has a new ability called Psionic Mastery, which allows him to essentially get nine extra psi points um, to use wherever he wants um, that are just like a floating nine that he can use. Um, he has gained two new disciplines psionic inquisition and telepathic contact he's gotten one new psionic talent which is blind spot for him which allows him to essentially become invisible to a creature for a turn um i don't remember what i increased his stats to but things are now better um and i think that's it Very good. And we also spent a little time last night kind of pouring over the Mystic class. So this obviously is still in the Unearthed Arcana. It's still uh, beta testing. And uh, we kind of went over and, and started comparing it to the other classes and agreed that, yeah, it's a little OP. So we decided to make a couple little tweaks to rein things in just a little bit. 
So uh, what would we decide there? Uh, normally at 12th level, um, the mystic class has a psi limit of seven, but we decided to put that down to six because that was more in line with what other 12th level characters could do in terms of abilities. Um, and then we also said that um, he has to use a bonus action to switch disciplines instead of being able to focus on one discipline and then use abilities from all of his other ones. So instead of getting the bonuses of one thing and then being able to use everything else, he now has to use a bonus action to switch between the disciplines and gain those different psychic focuses. Yeah, so hopefully that'll bring it a little more in line because obviously the ability to do 78 of damage automatically hitting every single time is a little OP. Um, you can't really compare that much with even like a wizard with a magic missile spell because that's D4s and in even um, casting like lightning bolt for a wizard, they'd only be able to do six or seven uh, D8 of damage at that point. So it's uh, makes a little more sense to uh, limit the mystic class to about six. And we'll have to send that, uh, that info back to, to wizards when we get a, a chance here. Okay, and finally, Drew, why don't you tell us a little bit about Kraval at level 12? Kraval took a level level cleric. He hit level eight now, and as such has uh, earned himself a stat increase or another feat. So thanks to following Nawada's teachings, he has become resilient. He picked up wisdom as a saving throw. Uh, it also increased wisdom by one, which put me into the new category, just barely, which increased his to hit and his spell save DC. So I get another spell, a little more chance of spells going off, a little more healing. Pretty exciting. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Oh, one other thing. I actually now have the similar ability that uh, Cod of the Paladin has. I can now do a Divine Strike with my weapon once per turn if I successfully hit. Wow. Okay, that's going to be neat. So what uh, what kind of damage does that Divine Strike deal? Because obviously Cotter can lower the hammer on, on his if he wants to. Yeah, I'm not lucky enough to have to do the Holy Hammer of Hurt like Cotter can do. Uh, it's a D8 Radiant. It, uh, it's just a flat D8 on anything. But again, it just it requires me to actually hit with my weapon. So it's a, it's just a, a neat little flare that I'll have on standby in case I do have to go uh, medieval versus sorcery. Sounds good. And actually, why don't you describe Kraval to everybody right now, and then we'll just go back through the, the list and get the description in for everybody. Uh, sure. Kraval is a bronze dragonborn. Um, it means he can, on, uh, on his initiative or when he feels like it, unleash a lightning attack from his mouth onto uh, unsuspecting creatures. He is born to a, the dragonborn nation, and as such, most of them are fighters and berserkers. So he follows the berserker path of Totem of the Bear, which gives him the ability to, when he decides to give in to his anger, resist almost all sorts of damages, or all types, rather. But he's found a new path, and instead of uh, always giving into his rage, he now seeks to lead whenever possible and spread the will of Nuwada, the god of war that the Dragonborns are now adopting. In fact, he is the first cleric of the Dragonborn nation. So the, the, that comes with some new spells and abilities, as previously mentioned. So he's, uh, it's been very interesting playing this character. Yeah, neat. Okay, and then, Owen, why don't you tell us what Red Sunrise looks like since we haven't seen the tabaxi in a while. Red is a, like, tabby, an orange tabby cat. Um, 
he's uh, wearing studded leather, and he but he does not have any footwear. Um, and he's always talking to his imaginary friend. Yeah, real good. And uh, then, Matt, why don't you give us a rundown on Noan and what uh, he looks like? So Noan is sort of a medium build, very lithe, um, has the customary kind of reddish tint to the skin and red eyes, of course. Uh, had kind of small, medium-sized horns, but one has been broken off. And uh, pretty much aloof in personality. And it's been making a, a transformation in uh, how he views the world uh, is becoming slightly less selfish as, as he's had to work with the group. Yeah, very good. And Jesse, do you want to tell us about Misty since she's our other tabaxi in this group? Yeah, so Misty is a sort of silvery gray furred tabaxi, but as she has a brass draconic origin to her sorcery, um, she's got sort of like brass toned scales poking through here and there on, on her um, skin underneath the fur and her eyes are sort of uh, maybe more reptilian than feline. Um, she's not especially intelligent, but she's very good at magic. So she's got that going for her. Excellent. Good. And what type of coat did she have again? Uh, silvery gray. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, brass scales underneath. Yeah, like the, the mist of the mountains. Yes, very good. Okay, and uh, Bryce, tell us about Cotter. So yeah, Cotter's cool. He wears bright silvery chainmail. He's a half-elf. I should have started with that, but mm -hmm. I can't think when I'm describing my character. Yeah, that's why we love doing this part. Yeah. Um, he has brown hair, brown eyes, and he has a sword that lights on fire. Yeah, can't ask for better than that, right? Yeah. Okay, very good. Okay, so at the end of the last episode, if you remember, um, each of the groups got on a separate airship and went their separate directions. And uh, you guys all ended up on Dania's ship. Uh, she had been recalled by... Uh, uh, actually, I guess it was Galchabar who recalled her. And she brought uh, your uh, owl back to you, your Kaval, who was a bit furious with you for leaving him behind and pecked your ear mercilessly, but seems to have calmed down a little bit now that, you know, you guys have been around for a while. And you guys are just slowly um, puttering along. Uh, Dania set a, a uh, course there for Excalbarium Calice, and obviously from there it's a... Uh, two-day trip up into the mountains, which will get you there just in time. And uh, you guys are just kind of cruising along. Um, you've uh, passed, you've, you know, left Civitas Cataracta behind and are beginning to pass over the Nidrosaltus forest. And uh, in the very distance there, you can see Excalbarium Calice, and you'll, you'll be there before the end of the day today. And uh, you're just kind of cruising along there. It's, it's a beautiful autumn day. Uh, there's a little little hint of some weather coming in, maybe, in a little bit. But uh, as of right now, it's cool and crisp, but it's still uh, pleasant out, uh, even at altitude. And uh, you're just clipping along. And does, does anybody uh, want to engage the new tabaxi in your group in any sort of conversation before you get to Excolbarium Calise? Obviously, 
you were just sort of slammed together there at Galchabar's tower, and all of a sudden you ended up with these cat people in your midst. Um, it's not talking to the tabaxi, but I would like to use my hit die and heal up. Okay, true. Yeah, you guys are uh, just uh, getting out of the underdark there. So anybody that is down in hit points could use your you roll your proper number of hit die and, and heal up if you want to. I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Do the dragonborn... I, I forget if the dragonborn know that the tabaxi exist. You do not believe that they do because you guys have been so reclusive. Okay. You've pretty much kept yourself. The elves of Valleys Calii know about you. And obviously Galchabar knows about you. But the humans, the half-elves the dwarves, um, the rest of the civilized uh, society doesn't, you know, you know, very little about the tabaxi, if anything. There may be just some hints and legends, but that's about it. So I'll kind of take a gander at Misty, and I'm kind of looking at the scales, and I kind of look over at Kerval, and I'm like, you two related? It's possible. Not in a classic sense. Um, if I may approach you. I mean, I've been told that apparently somewhere far up in my bloodline, there was a dragonborn or someone with draconic magic, so. It was probably a dragon itself. It's not unheard of. I believe we had a conversation not many, not too many weeks ago about how dragons in their divine power pick other races to join with to a increase their bloodline through other means. Clearly, here's an example of them doing that with these uh, tabaxi, I believe you called yourselves? Or cat people, that works too. Can you, uh, can you breathe your element as well? Fire. You can breathe fire. Oh, um, I haven't tried yet. I don't think so, um, but who knows? Magic can do some pretty strange things, so maybe at some point I can. That is very, very true. Um, do you know anything of my people? Not, I can tell you that none of mine know anything about yours, so you will be creating quite a stir when we get there. Do the Tabaxi know anything about the Dragonborn? Um, you, prob do you probably have some references in you. Well, you definitely have some references in your, in your uh, library, because uh, obviously the Barbarians of the Mountains came down and, and were about to sack the valley when uh, the entire population of, of the kingdom back then gathered together to repulse them. Uh, but aside of those tales and the occasional little bits and pieces, uh, you know, someone almost like tales of Bigfoot, uh, you know, someone seeing something in the mountains, uh, you know very little aside of that. Just uh, that, you know, they are apparently fearsome warriors and can apparently fly into a rage and and ignore uh, damage that would certainly fell a lesser creature. Um, but aside of that, that's about all you know. All right. So essentially, I we know your people as legend, but I don't think any people in this world really know of us. There's definitely a certain wisdom in keeping yourselves contained away. I thank you for coming along, and I will do my best to ensure your safety while amongst my people. Thank you. And I ask, and I'll kind of glance at, at Red, too. I said, so how did you come to know Galchabar? He has been our um, 
companion and um, we've been able to use him as a reference for quite a number of years. I'm probably talking in your head. Oh, yes. <laughs> so that's, forgot to mention that. <laughs> I talk in people's heads a lot. My bad. Um, it's okay. We just met that mushroom person who did the same. So it's not. No, your, your pets did. No, no, no. We, like, in oh, the. The, the actual, the, the, uh, the queen of the, of the myconoids, yes. And the other myconoids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. So it's not too new, but it's also not. I have a feeling all of us kind of start a little bit and look around mm-hmm. until we realize who's sort of, except for one other person who was a tabaxi, all of us kind of startle and look around until she like just points at him. Yeah. Um, but yes, he's been our, uh, we've been able to use him as a reference for our uh, great wealth of information in our library. Um, I am the one of the head librarians. And actually, when you guys hear library, you um, your ears just perk right up. Who is you? All uh, So Cotter and okay. Craval and Noan, because obviously you've had to look up an awful lot of stuff, um, and you still have two phylacteries that are so mysterious as to where they might be. So just, just the fact that there's yet another library out there is, is a little bit interesting to you. Yes, I'm uh, one of the head librarians at our library. Um, and uh, as to Baxi, we thirst for knowledge. And I thought this might be a wonderful way to get more knowledge into our library. I say, oh, oh I, I, I think this. I say, a librarian. It makes sense why you speak in our minds and not out loud. I just want to keep things quiet for the other researchers. Ask, do you do you simply convey thoughts or do you read other images in people's minds as well? I only merely uh, give words. I cannot read your mind. I can only communicate through words. That's I'm fascinated uh, by a mind reader, and I also think uh, a scaled cap person is pretty interesting as well. As far as I think things are interesting, that is. And actually, I just picked up the telepathic contact discipline, which means everybody's hearing this at the same time. Yay, conference call. I finally have it. Great. You just you can host a Zoom. Nice. I can. Exactly. I'm hosting a Zoom between everybody. So what you're saying is you can learn at a distance? <laughs> He's like, no one, I need your mind on now. No one, where's your mind? Uh, something I feel that we should I make you aware of and I indicate Cotter and no one. Like, These two are my brothers, and uh, which makes them my family. So uh, when we get there, they may be treated differently than you are at first, as they are part of my clan. But do not do not take insult. It's just the way of the dragonborn. We are normally ignored in society, so we do not. I, I don't think we mind. Well, to be fair, you're not ignored in society. I wouldn't think you just don't actively seek to join society. That's true. Uh, and I do. Some... Go ahead. I was just gonna say I have some experience in that as a dragonborn, are just now recently doing that themselves, coming back into society. And I say, the dragon board can get used, uh, take some time to get used to, but 
they're decent folks. Okay, very good. Anything else that you want to uh, discuss on the way there? Uh, just a one last warning that when we get there, things may be well. No, they're they're most likely going to be very tense, and whatever they do, just stay close to either to stay close to me or to the dragonborn that I point out, but do not go off on your own. Very good. Well, obviously you guys have an entire day basically of uh, flying here to get to Excalibarium Colise. So if you guys wish to at this point in time, now that you're back on uh, surface time, you could go and sack out for uh, six hours and get a long rest and get all of your, uh, your, spells and all that stuff back so um, i'm assuming you probably are going to want to do that yes well the first thing i want to do is spend 10 minutes doing the ritual speak with animals and get the owl to stop pecking me in the side of the head <laughs> and then i'm going to ask him to just keep a watch as we sleep sounds good well he obviously has a bunch of stuff to say to you uh but it seems like he's being to calm down and uh and uh apparently he, what he says is that danya apparently is treated him very nicely and, and fed him to the gills. So he, uh, he had no complaints there, but, uh, still didn't, didn't enjoy being left behind one little bit. Okay. Anything else before you sack out for a nap? Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to start teaching Drax how to meditate. Okay. And, and, uh, Thrax really just kind of wants, and uh, do you want to call him Drax or Thrax? Cause we started out with Thrax. I call him Thrax. I change okay. the name as he annoys me or not. Okay. And, and mainly he's like, you sit down and you, and you, uh, try to get him to meditate and he just basically just keeps hop up in your lap and headbutting you and hopping up in your lap and headbutting you and, and headbutting you and hopping up in your lap. So, um, it, uh, but, uh, you know, give me an animal handling, uh, role there to see what you can do. That's a 21. Okay. So um, you're able to, uh, you know, despite the uh, the hopping and headbutting, um, get him to sort of calm down. And in about a half an hour's time of working with him, you actually have it where you are sitting there in meditation and, and Thrax is just sitting there kind of just staring at you almost as if he's meditating as well. This is going to be the first monk Dionychus ever. Are we sure he's not just asleep with his eyes open? Actually, you're not asleep. Actually, okay. give me an insight check and see what you think. 24. Oh, no, he blinks. He's, he's oh. clearly awake. But apparently uh, no one's been able to calm him down to the point where uh, he's uh, just meditating along with him. Or some similar sort of thing. Okay. Uh I was just, before no one uh, gets too far into his meditation, I would just offer that at some point, if he would like, I can act as a interpreter and actually speak to Thrax for him, literally. Not right now, just as an option. And I'm going to take you up on that offer. I, I've decided teaching Thrax flurry of blows would be appropriate for a raptor such as he. This should be interesting. Most definitely. Okay, anybody else want to do anything else before you sack out for the, the night there? Or for the day as it is, take a little nap as you're flying along? Okay, and obviously for Red and Misty, um, you are up and around as normal. So you would just uh, be helping Danya with the uh, ship stuff and, and just enjoying the scenery as it flies by as everyone else sacks out. And um, 
time goes rolling on and uh, then uh, Creval, you feel somebody shaking your shoulder there it's at some point uh, what, what blood death huh and it's just on you it's like time to wake up we're almost there and you sure enough you look and the scenery has changed and the mountains are a whole lot closer on the uh, northeast side and or excuse me, southeast side and uh, the uh, sun is is uh, rapidly heading towards setting uh, behind you um, and uh, which, which day of the time frame is this is the second to last or is this the last uh, this is the second to last so you you're gonna hit you uh, were able to make it up there with in good time and uh, obviously it's it's a you know you can make a forced march and get up to the uh, encampment in one day if you have to but you will have two days so you can uh, make just a regular trek up the mountain this way. Uh, given the fact that the three of the five of us have been beat up pretty much, I think we'll just make it a two-day trip unless anybody else has another way of thinking. Sounds good to me. Speaking of which, can I heal again? Yes, so everyone can roll hit dice that uh, still needs to, and you can roll your, your regular set. Would this be a long rest we took or yes. just a short one? Yes, a long rest. So you can get all your spells back, get all your hit dice back. And with just a couple hit points topped up for my lay on hands, I am up to full. Okay. And how is Noan and, and Creval doing hit point wise? I need two more. One one moment, please. You can get your two more. Uh, I'm full up. Thank you. Okay, good. So... Uh, just uh, the fresh air of the surface world has restored you and you're feeling back to back to uh, snuff there. And uh, Donnie, of course, vents the uh, envelope and starts bringing the ship down and then just, you know, zeroes in and ties up. There's a, Interestingly enough, um, there are no other um, airships or... Uh, sand ships tied up at Excalbarium Calice. You are the only one. That is interesting. Are there dark workers? Um, you do not see any. And uh, and usually, I mean, obviously there's a uh, brisk trade up until the, the evening time. And um, and actually, as, as you look off into the Mare, there is a sand ship that left, but that was a while ago. I mean, it's way out in the Mare and it's headed directly across looks like uh, making a run to Faramons perhaps um, but uh, you just tie up and um, there's no one there to greet you and there's just a uh, basically a note on the pole a placard a notice and uh, just says uh, place docking fee and box below and there's a box that's been kind of hastily nailed up onto the post and you'll notice each of the posts seems to have something similar to that and you notice that the gates to the city are closed Donya, what is this it's like i do not know but i've been hearing rumors um they're saying that uh Colise has been getting in a stance aggressive stance against uh porta magnum they say that the Porta Magnum took over their part of the Campo Magno centuries ago, and now they want it back. Apparently, the two are in a very tense situation. They want what back? Uh, the, the Campo Magno, and she points off at the uh, giant uh, grain fields that sit south of Porta Magnum, uh, and extend almost to the uh, 
edge of the river near Ex Colbarium Colis. And uh, um, obviously, Cotter, you know that, um, in fact, just about everybody here knows that the, you know, the Porta Magnum has claimed and farmed the Campo Magno pretty much since the fall of the Old Kingdom. It's always been a part of their possessions. And obviously, um, a portion of, or a good portion of where their wealth comes from is, is that's the, the breadbasket of the entire kingdom here. Um, they export that grain to the, all the rest of the baronies. Well, that's not great. Well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, because I just don't think the way you do it. You're saying that they want the land back, the, the rights to it? Yes. So Danya is basically saying that the uh, Excalibarium Colise is claiming that, uh, you know, part of the southern part of the Campo Magno is a part of their traditional lands, um, and they are are kind of saber rattling um, about getting uh, getting that back. Carter, does this sound familiar to you at all? This has to be something new since we left. I don't I don't know anything about it. And Dania pipes up and, and says, the, the new Baroness, apparently she has been uh, stirring up the residents of Excolberium Colise and telling them that they've been persecuted by Porta Magnum and trying to uh, generate uh, uh, sympathy for herself that way and apparently uh, gearing up the city for war. Okay, I mean, We've been gone like a week. Out of character question because it's been so long. Is this the one that the, the city that's constantly seems to be in flux for who's in power? That's exactly it. Yeah, you guys helped to overthrow the uh, Baroness originally, and then the uh, Baron that you guys helped install was then overthrown by his cousin. Um, and so there's a new Baroness in charge. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it's it's constantly in flux at this point in time. What does that have to do with nobody working these docks then? Is apparently they are in a kind of a military stance now, and uh, so they uh, keep the walls closed, and everyone stays inside unless they're absolutely needed to go out. Sounds like a terrible idea. I agree. At uh, you know, the Excobaron Colise is the uh, you know trade hub for uh, this part of the Mare, and uh, so having uh, the dockworks uh, crippled like this is. Uh, uh, causing difficulty all over but i think that's uh i think that's her uh her power play will you say to uh, try to uh, get everyone to kowtow to their demands for every problem we solve two more come up i'll just add this onto the list of things to fix well it seems like we're not going to be able to walk through the city on the way up so no you, it's obviously that you can walk around the outside of the yeah. walls but uh yeah, it's, it's going to take an extra half an hour, hour to, to circumvent the city instead of going straight through it. Okay, so I guess we should better get started going. Thank you, Danya, for taking us this far again. No problem. So much better than the last time we got out of the mare. Indeed. Are you going to stick around or do you wish to leave when we debark? Um, I'm not going to stick around here, ex Cobram Colise, but you know how to get a hold of me. I do. Thank you. You're most welcome. And uh, uh, after dropping you off, she just immediately starts uh, 
going up and and uh, looks like she's headed uh, off towards Porta Magnum. And obviously you guys have put a good word in with the Baron over there. So she probably has contracts now over there to uh, do legitimate transportation, not just uh, the illicit stuff that she had been doing previously. Um, I'd like to take a minute just to take out the sending stone and send a uh, message to Kaba and just say, just to tell her at the base of the mountain should arrive in, at camp tomorrow. Okay. And you hear, hear her voice in your mind um, saying, um, your timing is excellent. Stay over at the winter grounds on your way up. And obviously the, uh, the lower valley that you guys had trekked through where the maize is planted um, is, is the, uh, the lower grounds that uh, she's speaking of. So you can stop at the overwintering valley, which is only halfway up the hill. You'll, you'll still be uh, full dark by the time you get there, but you should be able to make it there before, uh, before midnight at least. Uh, to the two, our two tabaxi friends, did you bring warm clothing? Because it's going to get very cold where we're going. I kind of burn hot. I don't know. Do, do tabaxi need warm clothing? Um, you know, in the mountains, even the tabaxi need warm clothing, but it's uh, fall. So you guys probably brought all of your nice warm traveling cloaks because obviously where the tabaxi treehouse is, is plenty uh, chilly in the evenings at this time of year as well. All right. Then I guess we're probably fine. Okay. Well, Kava responded that we should stay at the uh, winter camp. So it is, uh, it'll be dark before we get there. So we should make some haste to get up there. Very good. And so you guys take off. And um, once again, you just start taking the, the, you know, strike across the farmer's fields. And you see very few people out. I mean, obviously, the farmers are still um, doing their last minute chores to shore up their farms before the winter, you know, sets in and and uh, everyone's chased indoors. But, um, you know, even then, it's kind of noticeable that it's, it's, you know, it's quiet. It's too quiet. You know, you see a, a farmer here, a farmer there, off in the distance, but uh, not the, uh, even the limited activity you expect. And then way off in the distance to your left, as you're headed up the, the uh, first set of hills, you can see what appears to be a good-sized patrol of horsemen uh, that are headed up the lower road into the Campo Magno. And they're, you can even from this distance, you can see that they're dressed in Excalibarium Calise colors. Um, it's probably maybe 20 or so, but it's still, with the information that you guys got, kind of ominous. Before we uh, bed down for the night, perhaps Cotter, I'll act as a go-between, and maybe we should contact Sydney about all this. Yeah, and also I need to... She sent me a message a while ago that there were some problems with the mine, and I never really learned what was going on, just that... I would be trying to fix it, so we should figure out what's going on there as well. And we're definitely we'll get contact with Cynthia when we get to the camp. Okay, so you uh, start heading up the hill, and um, the uh, night begins to fall, and the sun goes down way across the mare to your left or to your right, excuse me, um, and uh, just you know once again glorious. Uh, sunset here in, in the fall and uh, the stars begin to poke out and the comet 
is noticeably much bigger than it was before. Um, and obviously you guys have been, you know, gone for a week or two here now where you just haven't had ability to look up at the sky and you almost forgot it was there, but no, it's, it's, uh, high directly overhead and, and spans a good portion of the, of the sky at this point. And, uh, it's kind of, it's at once beautiful and ominous all at the same time. So, so many portents, so many portents. Indeed. And so you uh, keep uh, climbing up there, and uh, everybody roll for me perception. Ten. Non natural 20. 21. 13. 18. Okay. So for most of you, um, it, uh, it doesn't seem to, there doesn't seem to be anything happening that's unusual, but. Red and Noan, uh, the both of you just kind of get the feeling that there's you keep seeing the same couple of two or three birds over and over again. There's um, obviously being fall. There's a lot of activity of uh, birds migrating from place to place. And then obviously the uh, covids, the, the crows and ravens, corvids, excuse me, the, co- the uh, cro- uh, crows and ravens, um, they... Uh, Yes, there's 19 of them, yes. Um, they, uh, so the corvids, the crows and ravens, they uh, um, flock down to the lower uh, valley during this time where they can pick over the farmer's fields after they've been gleaned and uh, you know pick over little bits of food there. Uh, but it seems like there's like two or three of these ravens that seemed, you know, you're, you're not 100% sure, but they it seems like they keep peering over and over again, like they're following you, waiting for you to maybe drop food for them or something. I'm going to take a little norsel out of my ration pack, and I'm going to toss it behind me about 10 feet. Okay. So I, I, I like the pretty birds. <laughs> and, and obviously you throw it and Thrax starts to go after it. And I say, no, Thrax. And, and he kind of, you know, pulls up short and kind of wanders back over to you. And um, and uh, kind of looks back at the food, and looks at you, and looks back at the food, and and then kind of just makes up his mind that it's not for him, and and just kind of keeps trudging along with you. Um, and the food just kind of lies there. And are you going to keep walking, or are you just going to sit and watch it, or what are you going to do? I want to keep walking, and then when we're kind of out of sight, I'm gonna I'm gonna hide behind a tree or something and spy on it. Okay. Well, you actually don't even get that far. Um, you you uh, start walking away into the bush there, and a bird does finally swoop down and pick it up, but it, it's not one of the ones that you thought was kind of, it's a totally different looking crow than, than uh, the ones that caught your eye earlier. Is there anything unique about this one? Nope. It just seems like an average crow. It's a little smaller than the other ones too, just... Uh, but it uh, just kind of swoops in, picks it up, flies away, just like any normal bird would do. Can I um, just like say like a greeting to one of the ones that we th- I think have been following us with uh, telepathy? Okay, so what are you going to say to it? Hello, little bird. Okay, and. Creval? Yes. The dagger goes off. Uh, 
So for two tabaxis, a very unpleasant tingling station goes up your spines as uh, the rest of us brandish our weapons and spin around looking around. And that's where we're going to stop today. So yeah, seems like every time this party nails down a problem, two more pop up. And it's like throwing the rock in the lake, as they say. The ripples just kind of go and propagate and bounce off everything. In this case, the party found the gold mine that solved their problem with the dragonborn and the dwarves. But now it seems like Excolbarium Khalees is causing problems. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But anyways, the party is heading back up in the hills. Hopefully they can figure out what's going on with the Dragonborn, but apparently something is afoot with malice in mind, as the dragger has gone off again. What it is, we'll have to wait for the next episode to find out. Until then, let us know what you think. Rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. Articles and artwork are available at poolmedia.podbean.com. And thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head.